When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to That the Hive Podcast, part of the SB Nation Network of Podcasts. Uh, this is uh, your Summer League recap show with, I'm Jonathan, the host, and I'm joined by Jack and Chase. Jack, how are you? Good, how are you guys doing? Excited to be here. <laughs> good, good. Chase, how about yourself? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm excited to wrap up Summer League, the, the last <laughs> bit of Hornets basketball that we have for, I think, like, almost three months now, so... We've got a while. Is, isn't it kind of strange that like how quickly the summer league starts after the draft and stuff, and then there's with such a long break before camp and everything starts? Yeah, you'd like, think it would be in like August or like the first week of August or something, just so there's not like a month with nothing going on in the NBA calendar, pretty much. Yeah, I think the NBA. Yeah, I think the NBA would benefit from that to have like, I don't know. I know that they say the summer league gets a lot of deals done because they're all you know, in the same place and talking to each other face to face. But then they had the Rockets general manager on during one game that I was watching. And he's like, yeah, I don't really know. I don't really do anything differently here than I do any time else during the year. So I think from a, you know, league interest standpoint, it would definitely make more sense to be in August. Plus it like, I don't know, gives, gets closer to the count. Like, I don't know. It makes more sense. Like on the calendar, like you see who's good enough to make your team. And then you have camp like in a couple weeks as opposed to like, yeah, we see who, like, ooh, maybe we this guy deserves a shot. See you in a month and a half for training camp <laughs> when all sorts of things can change. Plus, like, yeah, and, and you've made all your moves by August, too, like signed all your yeah. free agents yeah. and all that type of stuff. Right. So, you know, like what you're looking for and stuff still. Yeah. Plus, like, some of the times with the trades, like with the draft pick trades and stuff, like players can't even play or for some of their, for their team for parts of Summer League. Yeah, I think Jalen yeah. Duran missed the first game because he hadn't signed his contract with the Pistons yet. Or can't, at least came close to miss or didn't practice with them all up yeah, until it was, the first game or something. Yeah, like that. it was yeah. only that, like, yeah, they can't practice. Like, they won't practice. Like, the Summer League starts, like, the day after the moratorium ends. So, like, if a player is part of a draft day trade, they can't practice until the day before Summer League starts. And it's like, depending on the team, they're like, let's, let's give you a, a minute to figure out what's going on before before we start throwing in the game action. But um, before we get into like individual players or anything like that, uh, what was your guys' general takeaway from the summer league as a whole for the Hornets, at least? I thought it was, it was good. I mean, specifically Hornets. I know I wrote about it on one of like the notebooks I wrote for at the hive. I thought the roster construction, and I know that's like stupid to talk about for a summer league <laughs> team, but it was so like terrible. It was like, I don't understand the thought process going into it. Like you have some ball handlers in like Crutcher and Tyshawn Alexander, but like they didn't get like, they weren't good enough to warrant significant playing time. And so then when you wanted to like run out lineups of guys that could actually have a chance at making the team, it's, mcgowan's figaro and then three centers like it just it just made no sense the way they laid out the roster there was like no wings on the roster outside of mcgowan's and leandrelo ball who is something and it's just they, they didn't it just feels like they didn't plan it very well and it was just a bunch of okay here's a bunch of big men who we want to give a ton of minutes to so we're just going to run them all together and jt thor's a small forward now which is just awful which is just not shouldn't be a thing that's that was I feel like that's been the case for several years now where the Hornets so the it's kind of the byproduct of the Hornets have been trying to get young talent at the center position is that they just mm-hmm. keep stocking up on bigs and then when we get to these situations of like time to put the young guys out there it's just nothing but bigs 
So then, like, you end up with this thing of, like, well, if we want to get them on the floor, we have to put them out of position. And then if we want to keep them in position, we have a lot of players, we have a lot of mouths to feed. Because we've got, like, Nick Richards, if he, since he played a couple games, Mark Williams, and Kai Jones that all should be playing minutes at the five. And then, that's, and then you have JT Thor, who's a four. And I feel like I would rather have JT Thor at this point at least playing five than three. Yes. So like, yeah. <laughs> so you have like four <laughs> players who should be getting some minutes at the five, and you have what four like what it's four two hundred minutes to do it. Yep. So like, yep. you know, it's it's a tough, tough spot to be in. But yeah, I hate the the, the lineups with Leangelo Ball at or Leangelo Ball, JT Thor at the three, and Kai Jones at the four. It's like that's just never going to work in any level of basketball. Awful. Just so bad. <laughs> and they, it's, that was the, it's the second year in a row that they've like kind of had that type of situation. Like none of none of the like you remember when Vernon Carey used to have to play the four all the time, like in, <laughs> either in garbage time or in summer league or in preseason right. or something. It's like mm-hmm. like you're not you're not you're not really helping these guys at a certain <laughs> point. Like they're getting minutes, but not in any sort of situation that's like replicable with like on the Hornets. And the other thing is like they had one point guard in Jalen Crutcher. And I mean, he was really good with the, with the swarm last year. Like I was somewhat looking forward to watching him uh, like this, on the team this year, this summer, but he was really inefficient, like 32% from the yeah. field, 23 and a half percent from three. And he, I mean, he had five assists to three turnovers, but like, that's not really the type of playmaking that you would want. And it definitely doesn't even come close to replicating the playmaking that the Hornets are going to have with LaMelo on the floor. Not that you can do that in summer league either, but <laughs> I don't know. You yeah. would just think that there'd be more than one guy who is like even a semblance of a point guard. Like yeah. Was, why did the Hornets like, find a so six, seven, six, seven triple double threat to play summer league point guard. <laughs> but um, yeah, right. I was also, I guess we'll, as naturally we'll start with Jalen Crutcher. I was, um, also excited to see what he had because I didn't watch a ton of the swarm or hardly any of the swarm, but like statistically he was really good and I would keep up with the scores and he, he flashed a lot like box score wise and he had like a crazy high three point percentage and he averaged like six assists a game. So I was like, okay, cool. Like the Hornets do need a third point guard and it, you know, it'd be nice to have like a prospect there. And then I was very disappointed with how like out of his league he looked like, was it just like, it was like he was playing well, and the shots weren't falling, it just kind of seemed like he wasn't able to handle the moment, I guess. Which might not be fair to say, but that was just kind of the impression that I got watching the games on TV. It was like, as soon as he had the chance to be the ball handler, it was very clear that Bryce McGowan's was a better ball handler, and then he just immediately took over as like the, the primary <laughs> pseudo point guard on the floor at all times. And Tyshawn Alexander was alright too, if you want to say they had two point guards, but like even him, I kind of lumped him and Crutcher together in the sense that they don't really look like they're going to be NBA players. And that sounds harsh, but like just from the way that they played and like the way that they struggled in the areas they struggled in, I just can't see them making at least the Hornets roster at this point, even with the need for a third point guard. I'm more intrigued with allowing Bryce McGowan's to handle some of those ball handling duties on the bench for Charlotte than like bringing up uh, Alexander or Crutcher from the swarm at this point. I think, well, did you have anything on those guys, Alexander or Crutcher, Chase? Was uh, I mean, uh, Crutcher, like, I mean, I, I was just like, I, I agree with you guys that I was like a little bit let down given how competent he was for Greensboro last year. I, th- I mean, I, I, I thought Tyshawn Alexander was pretty decent coming out of the draft, but I mean, basically since his last game at Creighton, like he has been on like a pretty consistent like downturn as a like a prospect or future NBA player like he was he was a really good defender in college but like I didn't really get the sense of that um when he was on the court for like the majority of the time in summer league he had that one good game uh the Lakers I think um when he hit that uh the buzzer beater to send it to overtime um but other than that like I mean he also shot really poorly so like none of the initiator type guards that the Hornets had shot well at all like apart from Bryce McGowan's from three which you know that that doesn't help the bigs um in terms of like spacing and all that much less like being able to just get them the ball when they do have open space diving to the rim so yeah that that was probably the 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 low weakest point of the roster I think was 
just general point guard play. I, I was impressed and surprised by McGowan's though at that spot because I know he was like the main the main guy at Nebraska, and we kind of saw this. I mean, it was very the parallels so far with him and Booknight in terms of like their prospect and their kind of skill sets have been pretty striking because it was like they're in college, they're the guy and they have like no help around them and they just put up shots and they don't put up great shots. And it's like, this guy's just a bucket getter. And then they get put in this environment where they have a little bit more of a supporting cast around them. And McGowan's like, not that he's a point guard, but it's like, Oh, there's definitely more here than he showed in college as a playmaker. If the players around him are good. And he showed that like right away too. It didn't even take him time to ease into it. This game one is like, Oh, this guy's out here. Like he's seeing the floor. Yeah, I mean, Chase, I'll let you take the reins here because you called this from the jump. You were on the <laughs> McGowan's train from the start, so I'll let you have your moment. So yeah, to speak. I was, I was going to say, I mean, I sure am glad that I said all that stuff about him and, like, wrote that uh, piece about him before Summer League started. And, like, I didn't think – I didn't really see that type of, uh, like, not necessarily growth, but just flashing that type of stuff that he didn't really show get to show in college. Um, but I, that's kind of what I said, like when I wrote that thing and, uh, when the last time that we had, uh, this, the uh, Bryce McGowan's conversation was his team stunk in college. Like this, this is a problem for, for even for good players, for average level prospects, whatever, like Anthony Edwards team was awful in college too. And people were like, oh, he's a terrible playmaker. He's an inefficient shooter, but it's like, no, not really. He was just the only shooter. He was the only playmaker. So that makes it a lot more difficult. Like. Uh, when McGowan's was in college, his turnover percentage, I'm looking at it right now, it, it's pretty good. 13.4 turnover percentage is good, uh, according to Bart Torvik. It has the little green thing on the stat um, <laughs> column. But his his assist percentage was terrible, but it was low, like 8.6, way lower than his turnover percentage because his team stunk. Like, they, they didn't have any spacers. Uh, they, they didn't really have any bigs that were that good. Like, it was all kind of him. And now we see what happens. Like, he has – a couple of bigs that are lob threats like JT Thor didn't like kind of, this was kind of the theme, but (laughs) he didn't really (laughs) shoot well from three. Uh, Actually he finished at 37%. That's better than I would have guessed, but um, they, they just have so many like willing spacers and like guys that cut to the rim on this, even this Hornets summer league team, much less the actual team uh, compared to his team in Nebraska. So, uh, I mean, I wish I could say I was surprised that that this happened. Um, I, I guess I am a little bit that he showed such good passing at certain times, but uh, I mean, hit, hit the the jump shots. I mean, that that was the the type of stuff that I expected to see from him pretty quickly. Like he he's so athletic and such a smooth athlete with a, with the ball in his hands and has such a good like dribble to shot transition that there's no way he wasn't going to figure out like off the dribble three level scoring at some point. And it seems to be coming a little quicker than we might have thought. 43% from three in summer league for a guy that was like a 27.4% shooter at Nebraska. So the one concern being that his two point percentage is, was in like the, yeah, I was going to say that, yeah, that, that was, that was the problem. Uh, I, he, he, but that, I think the size, like him being really skinny showed a lot. Um, like when he would drive to the rim at Nebraska, a lot of the, the times that he would try to finish, like through somebody or around somebody or whatever, it would work. But now that player that he is trying to finish uh, through is much bigger, longer, better at defense. And that's, I mean, that's only going to be the case to even stronger degree when he plays in the NBA or the G league. So that will definitely be something he has to work on, but he can get to those spots really easily. uh, And he seems to have a much more efficient jumper when there's like more space and, he has better teammates and doesn't have to be like the guy at the top of the scattering report for the entire game. Yeah. I think one of these things like to the Anthony Edwards and Bryce McGowan's point is like, they're a 19 year old kid. That is the only op- offensive option playing against of basically a mostly older teams and players than them. So like, of course there's going to be inefficiencies and of course things aren't going to like when they have that much attention on them, they're not going to be, the best decision makers are doing things the right way, right? Like if you take a NBA player that gets to that level and they're like carrying the team, they have that experience and that better ability to pick their spots. You put that responsibility on a kid, they're going to get a little wild with it. Exactly. Like, like to, to this point, like up until he got to summer league, 
the best player that Bryce McGowan's had ever played basketball with was Bryce McGowan's. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> there's nobody that he has ever played with that's as good as him, basically up until now. Like, yeah. So they, that's going to take a little bit of time to get used to, and that's not like that's not like a knock to him or even to his teammates. Like, he made the NBA. It's not like the guys he played with were always bad, but I mean, that's just how it goes sometimes when you don't go to like Duke or Kansas or North Carolina or somewhere that has contends for like the conference title every single year the other uh rookie mark williams took a little bit longer to find his stride and i think i mean some of that was him he definitely looked like he had nerves i thought early on because he was like his hands were shaky he was he lost the ball a lot he kind of got pushed around a little bit and then he started to find his groove a little bit i think the other thing is that Summer League is a terrible, and they said it a lot in a lot of the broadcasts too, Summer League is a terrible place for bigs to get good run and get good developmental. I mean, I guess it's good for their development, but to get good, situa- put in good situations to succeed. Because, like we just talked about with the Hornets, the ball handling is pretty poor, and the organization is pretty poor, and everyone out there is out there for mostly a self-serving purpose, and that everyone is trying to prove that they belong. And if you're not, the ball is not in your hands and it's in the hands of other people that are trying to prove that they're NBA players, it's going to be hard for you to get the ball and like ask to do your thing. Yeah, and it's great because the Hornets have like nine bigs on the roster that needed to get developmental time <laughs> right. in Summer League. <laughs> I mean, I liked what I saw from Mark Williams, but it was kind of like what you said. It wasn't really translating to the stat sheet like i think i said this in the chat about like nine million times he he is huge like mark (laughs) williams is such a large player even like and i know it's just summer league so it's not like full nba competition but he's listed like seven two right in shoes like he is a giant and he is big and he is strong and as soon as he got that confidence that you guys are talking about you could see how much of an impact he can have. And he was quicker than I thought he was too. Like he's keeping up with these guards. Obviously some are going to blow by him, but for the most part, he's like staying lateral and he showed some playmaking chops. Like the potential is there for him to be, in my opinion, a starter on this team this season, eventually. Like I, I, I don't think he'll have much problem displacing Mason Plumley once he proves to Steve Clifford, which by the way, is crazy. that Steve Clifford's back uh, <laughs> as, <laughs> as the, you know, starting center in Charlotte, especially if he can continue to progress on offense. Cause I think that's where most of the shakiness was like defensively. You could see he was on, he was crashing the boards. Well, he was blocking shots, but I think the lack of playmaking, like you mentioned, really affected his ability to be impactful on offense. Cause he's just, he's just a traditional center in the sense that it's going to be pick and roll. It's going to be cutting. It's going to be lobs. And that's perfect for LaMelo, but for a Hornets team with Crutcher and Alexander as the point guards, it's probably not ideal. So I, I like what I thought. I think he'll probably start eventually this season. Um, how quickly though? That's the question there. I was also pretty encouraged with Mark. And I honestly, it was for like the exact reasons that you said. Like, it was weird though, that it was his passing that ended up being like the thing that kind of like caught <laughs> people's eye when he was such an elite finisher in college but like we we, I mean we literally could probably do the whole podcast and tie everything into like the lack of playmaking and offensive initiating uh reliability (laughs) that they had throughout summer league but I mean that that was clearly like a huge reason why uh I mean I it's probably going to take him and Lamelo like maybe eight minutes of playing together before they connect on some sort of lob or like Lamelo does like a crazy pass, like dump off pass on a pick and roll for a wide open. Make that an over under post that on yeah. that behind the day of opening day. How long Honestly. until Lamelo and Mark? But like, and I, I agree with you too. Like, I mean, I've, I've, I'm tempted to, to say that I would lean towards just starting him now and just being like, go for it. Like we know you can play defense. Like you might as well just be out there now, yeah. like playing with the starters. And so you can get like kind of a grip on your offensive role on this team. Uh, and, and if he is like a decent passer or a better passer than he showed, than he was at Duke, the one thing that Mason Plumley is going to have on him is playmaking. So if he can replicate that in the slightest, then he's going to have every physical and like, skill set advantage over Mason Plumley to to get on the court. He's just would be younger and would need to like prove that he 
can be like a more disciplined player than most NBA rookie bigs are. And but I, I think he's going to do that too because I mean, he was so good defensively and impacts the game like so immediately from stepping on the court just by like standing out there and putting his arms up. That it, I, I don't think it's going to take him very long. I mean, he did have good restraint for in like the summer league because you would expect someone who had the shot blocking or has the shot blocking ability that he does, you kind of envision them being jump happy and block happy and chasing blocks and getting out of position. But he didn't really do that too much. He picked his spots, but he positioned himself well. And he's just, his size, like to Jack's point, is just such a deterrent. No matter what his like actual ability ever becomes, just having someone that big and that mobile really, I think, gives you the potential to have a good defense. And then also, like you said, there was a couple plays he had where he moved his feet well on the perimeter and because his he's so long that even if they do get a step on him, he just he'll just erase it from behind. And that like having that ability to where it's not like an, a wasted possession or a lost possession if you get him out in the pick and roll, like and you get him switched on the guard, like that's huge for how this team I mean, I don't know how they'll be under Steve Clifford, but that's a big difference for how this team will guard. And then his length, I think, if we if they play drop coverage and his ability to contest jump shots. I think really gives him a huge advantage over Mason Plumley there too. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, who do you guys want to talk about next? JT Thor or Kai Jones? Or do you want to like kind of lump them together? Hmm. Or do you have any like hot takes on either one of the two? Should we, we'll uh, start. Should we start with Kai? He was the yeah. probably the he had the most um, polarizing. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good way to put it. I yeah, think, of any of any Hornets player. I think Kai Jones, his play, I feel like the things he did well, he did really, really well, and the things that he did poorly are really, really bad. Which has kind of been his story <laughs> as a prospect, right? Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> I, Would you, I mean, so if you had to to answer this question, did he have a good or bad summer league? Like, what is it possible to to put it in? one word like that or such simple terms. I don't know if it is. Like I, I can't I don't think he had either one of those. Like I think he just had a Kai <laughs> Jones summer league. Which is fine. Yeah, it was, the, it was the, still encouraging. The one word would be Kai. Yeah. 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 Describe it. <laughs> like so part of it if you use it in the lens of like some of the stuff that he struggled with is stuff he's not going to be expected to do. Assuming he won't still try to do it, which is part which of which is a problem. question. Yeah, which <laughs> is a question. <laughs> is he? I think he was. It was good, but like I said, because like I don't think he's ever going to take ten three pointers in an NBA game. That was crazy. We got it. Like, stop. <laughs> like, why? Like, for what? Uh, I mean, oh that was. I mean, that's the point of summer league, right? You gotta you try to expand the skill set, and he clearly took it way too far. <laughs> <laughs> The confidence to just keep firing I away respect at like zero and seven is so. I like I it, it actually like ma- makes me feel better than if he stopped shooting at like zero for five and just kind of like faded into the background. He was just like, no, like one of these is gonna go in someday. Like I'm just gonna keep going until it does. Especially because coming from a guy who's not like he doesn't have a a history as a shooter to fall back on. Like, if Steph Curry's 0 for 8, you're like, keep shooting that thing. You know it's going in eventually. And I don't even need to use Steph Curry as an example. Like, anybody that has a semblance of a jump shot. Like, you got LaMelo Ball's 0 for 6. I'm not telling LaMelo Ball to stop shooting. But, like, Kai Jones, who's, I don't think, no, he's made, like, 1-3 in his NBA career. And I don't think he shot well <laughs> in the form. Is like, one of these is going to go. And not only that, it's not like they were going in and out when he was missing. Oh, they like, were bricks. No, some of them, <laughs> no. like. It was like someone had the window open in the arena. He was <laughs> missing by like an entire foot. And then the next time he caught the ball with any space, he's like, this one's the one. And then he'd miss that one by two feet. And it didn't slow My down, favorite but... part was that his jump shot changed every time. Like every time he shot the ball, the jump <laughs> shot was different. Like the form was completely different from the last shot. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. He's not, not quite a shooter yet, which is so that, and that's kind of what I was saying with like the stuff that is not in his NBA skill set. That's that was the part that was really really bad, and also when he would like try to dribble sometimes went really really poorly, but in a Kai Jones role where the only dribbling he's doing is against like 
a scrambling defense with a with a straight line to the basket, and he's catching and finishing. Like he showed a lot of things to be excited about in that part of his game. Yeah, le- yeah. less than three dribbles. Like he was awesome in summer league. Like when he would, <laughs> That's the when he would catch the yeah no, like, but like when he would catch the ball on the perimeter, take like a jab step or do some sort of rip through and just go right to the rim. Like it didn't really matter how big the person in front of him was. Like they just couldn't stop him because he can just dunk anything from like four feet inside the uh, the paint or something like that. As long as he can reach the rim with the tip of his fingers, like he can, he has the confidence to go, just rise up and the athleticism to just get over pretty much anybody that's there. Uh, well, I mean, the open court ball handling left, left some to be desired, <laughs> but like, I, but it's just like the things that he does, like just make you feel like there's, there really is like a foundation for, for like a good player. Like he, he has the confidence that when his jump shot gets ironed out, like it's, it could be a really effective tool. He's already like pretty decent at putting the ball on the floor, attacking a closeout, getting by somebody, uh, and just getting to the rim and creating a shot like for himself. Like when he gets an advantage, it's just the other like aspect, like being a playmaker, like a more patient defender and stuff like that. Um, that did not necessarily seem like they had come along yet after his season with the Swarm. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess myself kind of included but some people probably thought he could be the backup center this year i don't know if that if this necessarily bolstered that feeling (laughs) um for me or for anybody but i mean it's it's possible and he doesn't need to be the backup center this year either like what what is what is getting what is being the backup center for a team that's like not even going to be a playoff contender like do for you you want him to be the backup center when the hornets are actually good and then if he's not then then it's a problem but you know, we, we've still got time for him to iron out these things, and it's going to be fun to watch him do the, the other stuff that he's already good at. I, I think, think that's part – oh, sorry. Go ahead, John. No, you know, it's your turn. You can talk now. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think that's part of what makes the summer league concerning for me, not because he didn't show enough to be a center, because I think he has the potential to be a solid center, but – it's kind of like coming like this weird full loop where we talked about the Hornets needing a center. And now they almost have too many mouths to feed at center that like you want them to get NBA reps. Like Mason Plumlee is going to be there and knowing Steve Clifford, Mason Plumlee's not going to get benched. Like, let's just be real. Mason Plumlee is going to play rotational minutes and he's not a bad center, like in the rotation. <clears throat> I think he's a fine backup. Mark Williams, obviously you would hope he gets NBA time. Uh, and from, we, we haven't gotten to him yet, but Nick Richards looks like he could play some okay backup minutes. And then you have Kai Jones, like that's four players at the center who, like you said, Chase, can't really play power forward, right? Like Kai Jones was the only player out of those four who you would have some hope for him to be a power forward. And I think that's what he was trying to do when he shot 10 threes (laughs) and it didn't work. And so now you got four centers, JT Thor on the other hand, which we can get to, I think is a lot easier to play at the four, which is why he's more versatile. But I think that's the biggest concern with me for Kai Jones coming out of the summer league is that he can't be a power forward right now. And that's going to hinder his ability to get minutes in Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the 10 threes was like the, I'm going to prove to you guys that I, I can play four. And then he failed and, spectacular fashion and then he was like the team runs through me did you hear that quote i, I, I did not find that it. Quote. He, he, he like I, I can't remember where i saw it, but i saw a quote of him saying like yeah you know i'm trying to take the responsibility to lead this team and i'm like kai it's summer league man come on like i like, <laughs> I, think, I, 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 think I love he it was like but... i'm out there playing all the minutes like i'm the best player yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the time he was like sixth in minutes per game on the on the summer league <laughs> team or something like that uh, i love the confidence but i know uh, i i love it it's i it's awesome <laughs> like he definitely has a good has the right mind mindset to like yeah, yeah, yeah. get better and succeed he does it just needs to be come with the like i don't know he's he's quite a character and by the way his his final stat line uh uh he shot 6.3 percent from three for summer league which is that's pretty such a good. funny <laughs> such a funny number to see <laughs> but i mean it's the same thing and i think this will be a thing that's always his kind of drawback is just kind of his when he plays he try he's so sped up and that improves over time but it's not one of those things that drastically changes over the course of a player's career and so i think that's always going to hold him back i think he has this ability or he definitely has the talent and the athleticism to be a guy that comes in and on his night is 
a menace on both ends of the floor and has these nights where he can go off and block a bunch of shots and dunk all over everybody. But over like a long periods of play, I feel like that starts to kind of his impact kind of evaporates a little bit because the, the inability to like pace himself starts to come out the longer he plays. And that's when he starts doing things like trying to lead fast breaks and be like the offensive initiator and just goes way outside of his skill set. But um, I think, I feel like he's going to get minutes this year. I mean, I don't know with Richards here too. It's just, I don't know where his minutes come from. I keep forgetting about Richards. It's just, it's a, it's a tough place to see. Cause he definitely won't get minutes at the four. I feel like he's going to need some injuries and then be like a super sub at some point throughout the season to get his time. Um, JT Thor, I feel like kind of similar to Kai Jones. I think, I feel like both of them played so little that we do the thing. They did play so little last year for the NBA in the NBA that we do the thing where we haven't had a chance to see their flaws and we kind of get a little bit too, like we get a little, like some delusions of grandeur with how good these players are. Right. Definitely. So, <laughs> I, I think that no, sorry, sorry. I was taking a second. Uh, I am very biased for JT Thor. I think I've, I've probably told you. I love, I said this when we did the draft show. I love just like really good defenders who yeah. usually can't shoot. But that's, <laughs> but he show he can shoot a little bit now. So it, it helps. But I think the versatility JT Thor shows is what's going to earn him minutes and the defense, obviously, with Clifford back in charge. But like you said, you, very clearly saw the youth in JT Thor because I'm pretty sure he was like one of the youngest rookies coming into last season or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's very close to it. Yeah. And so you can see those moments where it's like, Oh, this dude is a teenager still like he needs more time. He needs to develop like the, the mental lapses of letting a guy get by him or taking a shot at the wrong moment or missing a pass or stuff like that. But then you see the moments where he's like locking up on the perimeter. He's getting crazy blocks. He's scoring. What do you have? 28 in the last game of summer league. Like he, he I, I think he has a pretty smooth, like three point shot. It's just a matter of hitting them more consistently now. Um, but 37% to start in, in summer league at the very least. So I, I have a lot of faith in JT Thor. And I think, I think I wrote about this in the middle of the season last year, like outside of Cody Martin, the Hornets don't really have any, okay, go lock up a player defenders. And if JT Thor can, you know, add a little muscle, iron out those like young moments, those kinks he has every once in a while. I really think he could make an impact in the rotation with everything he brings to the floor. He just has to bring it all together. I, I'm very high on JT Thor, though. So, like, like I said, admitted bias here. <laughs> yeah, and I don't mean to say that, make it come across like his summer league was bad, but I feel like oh no, you definitely uh, saw the moment though. You absolutely yeah, saw the moment. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like we got to this point and just like reading at the Hive and reading Hornets Twitter and stuff, where like JT Thor, if you if you didn't know anything about him, you would have thought he was going to be like the alpha of the summer league team. <laughs> And he was going to, like, take Summer League by storm and stuff like that. And he just kind of, like, fit in as, like, a decent player in, in the Summer League that has traits that will translate to the to the NBA club. But, like, not, you know, he's not out there, like, getting shut down because he's put in good minutes and we don't need to see anything else anymore. And, I mean, maybe if he has that big 28-point outburst earlier on, maybe that changes. But I think on the play, on his, on the whole he kind of showed where his limitations are and that he doesn't. And this is where the environment comes back into play again. Like he's not a creator by any means. He's a three and he's his his potential is like a three and D player that can also protect the interior. Right. So he's a role player and the summer league is where role players have to be superstars. And he does not have like the ball handling and create like creativity to be that kind of player. I think we saw that a lot where he was getting kind of, overwhelmed both like ball pressure and if he tried to put the ball on the floor he didn't really have good ideas of what to do with it i think he kind of is limited to a catch and finish player which doesn't show itself well in the summer league but at least he showed that he can knock down shots at some in some to some capacity he had a few moments of like putting the ball on the floor and getting to the basket but i don't think i don't think he wasn't he didn't look like a superstar in the making like i think kind of people were maybe starting to think about what are, what are your thoughts, Chase? Yeah, I mean, he definitely did not show, like, the ability, like, and not that he didn't build off of his 
like uh, rookie season appearances, but I don't think he showed anything that he didn't show uh, when he played. I, I mean, he played in the rotation for a little bit, but even when he played limited minutes, that was kind of what we thought he was like a guy that was really comfortable shooting from three, despite being really big and really athletic. Uh, and then he's also like a good aggressive, like rangy defender. Uh, and that's what that was basically what he was for the summer league team. And it, it, I, I thought it was kind of weird as a whole that like, it didn't seem like like anybody played big minutes in any one game. Like it, even like Nick Richards played quite a bit when before he started sitting. But I mean, JT only averaged twenty four minutes a game uh, in summer league. So I it, it I I feel like in certain games it's harder to get into a a rhythm also because you have so many other guys that are playing at the same position as you. And he was at the three a lot of the time when he was on the court and like you John said that does not lend itself to being a better shot creator even if he has improved on that type of thing so uh I'm I'm interested to see like whether or not he's in the rotation like probably not to start off of the year but I would imagine that he's like the closest player to being in that isn't in now I would I would say so uh if he had I mean if he can just add like a little bit offensively and continue being a consistent shooter, then I think he definitely has a place in the NBA. His shot definitely looks like it should be really, really good. It's been, it's, oh, very, yeah. it's, been, <laughs> it's very hot and cold, but his form looks very good. And he he catches the ball and shoots like with no, hes- like he doesn't hesitate at all. He looks really yeah. comfortable yeah. every time he catches it on the perimeter. It's just like getting by people it is not um, like a strong suit right now. Right, I think, like I said, his his defensively, you want him. He can guard everybody, right? That's the the goal. Offensively, he's just kind of a catch and finish guy, right? Either yeah. if he's playing, if he's playing at the four, that he can have him spot up and shoot threes. If he is playing as a big, he can roll or in the dunker spot. But I don't think, I think you want JT Thor dribbling as little as possible if you want to get the best version of JT yeah. Thor. And I think he kind of reinforced that with the summer league play. Um, who else we got? Any other, like, LJ Figueroa? Oh, <laughs> yeah. LJ, I know that's, that was Jack's guy, too. <laughs> that's my guy. I love me some LJ. I wish he just, like, didn't miss a shot the entire summer league. That would have been fun. That is so great. What He's, a what, story. 13 like for 13 for the first 25. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, what, 13 so for 13 crazy. through two games, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then he missed. Yeah. It was like a like a dumb shot, not like on his part. It was like a like rush shot at the, at the end of a quarter, at the end of the shot clock. I think that he finally missed, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, because yeah, I don't think it was like his first shot in that next game that he. No, missed. I think like he, he made was, his first one. He probably got to he, like fifteen for fifteen or something. Yeah, like that. then he had to like throw up a like a prayer, and he missed it. And then that's when the floodgates opened, and he like missed more <laughs> yeah. than one shot. And I think he, yeah, he even got like really cold one game, didn't he? I, mean, I don't have all like the box. I think he was one for five one game. I know he finished summer league. I have to say he finished summer league 18 for 26, which is still like a really good percentage. <laughs> but when you start 13 for 13, it's not really a great way to end yeah. it off. But I, I think maybe this is a hot take. I think the best part about LJ Figueroa for me was the fact that even when he wasn't making shots, he still looked like he belonged on the court. Like he still had an impact. He was still probably the best perimeter defender on the team and that's crazy or at least the one who showed the most energy like he i there's like this alex caruso quote where it's like all these players are out there trying to be lebron when you just have to be like alex caruso or like a role player or some something and lj figueroa figueroa embodied that from like from my perspective at least like he looked like he knows he's not gonna be lebron or kobe or a star in the nba like he's just trying to get onto a roster and get a chance and by hustling and doing all the little things on defense and, you know, handling the ball pretty well. And and like, even his shot isn't like, doesn't look good. Like his shot is not like, (laughs) like, like a smooth jump shot or anything, but it goes in. Like he just does all the little things I think well on both sides of the floor. Uh, And I'm like, I I think he deserves at the very least a two way spot. I've gone all in and said, just sign him to the main roster. That might be a a bit much, but I've really like LJ Figueroa on defense, offense, uh, even past the shot making. So that's what impressed me about him. I I think I might be with you on signing him to the full roster. Like if no like trade presents itself that adds to those two open spots um, or like some veteran pops up or anything like that. I mean, he he really was like the best perimeter defender on the Hornets summer league team. I think I, I think he averaged 
one steal per game at the end of it. But I mean, he was just so active and clearly was like the most uh, like NBA, like professional defensive system experienced player, I guess would, would be how to put that in a, a very poor way. But um, <laughs> I mean, he, he clearly very eloquently just, stated. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, I'm very good with, with words clearly. Um, but he, he was, I think the best perimeter defender on that team. And he, like Jack said, he clearly had the most like energy or highlights or whatever, even if he wasn't as consistent or whatever as somebody else might have been. But I mean, he shot 70% from the field. So I, you really can't can't go wrong with like that. I mean, it's not like he's going to shoot 70% of the field in the NBA, but I mean... He, I mean, he, if he, he would, we should definitely sign him to the NBA. Yeah, no, definitely should sign him if he's going to shoot 70% from the field and average nine points per like 24 minutes or whatever while doing so. But I mean, even if he... Even if he uh, uh, has a bit of a, a drop in his performance and his shooting percentages with the NBA team. Like he clearly like knows his role and will be able to just be the 15th man on the team. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, it's not like I know that much about him, but he seemed like a good like bench presence. And that's also an important thing for a guy that's not going to be playing every night. So I, I, I know it's I another have, Massachusetts uh, connection for us, Chase. I know yeah, it's another. Exactly. Is, <laughs> yeah, Lawrence, Massachusetts. He went to, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google it right now, but I think he went to four. He went to either four or five high schools, and then a junior what? college, St. John's, and Oregon. Jeez, uh, and then crazy. played in San. Yeah, he went to two different colleges in Mass, and two in or two different high schools in the Lawrence, Mass area. Two in Florida. Went to Odessa Junior College, St. John's for two seasons, Oregon for one season. Played in Santa Cruz with the Warriors last year. Played in uh, the Dominican Republic after that, and now has played for the Hornets summer league team. So he has had Jeez. a long journey to get here, and it would be pretty cool if he ended up getting rewarded with a do, roster spot or even do a we wanna, that's Do okay. we want to commit to a guy that shows hasn't shown the ability to commit to another team? That, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I guess you're not wrong. They're I mean, you're, they're probably asking themselves that that question uh, in the Hornets front office. So All right. Like he played for the Mavs last year too, summer league. <laughs> so he's played. Yeah. In the- <laughs> oh yes, yeah. so add a, add another stop on the. This guy's never yeah, played for right. one team for more than six months. So are we sure he's going <laughs> to stick around if we sign him for a contract? Yeah. Um, I think, but all the stuff you guys said defensively, I felt like offensively, just it was the same. You can say kind of the same thing, right? Like aside from the shooting, yeah. just things the the team just kind of worked better when he was on the floor, right? As opposed, mm-hmm. it's kind of the opposite of what we talked about with some, and it also kind of points that Alex Caruso quote of everybody kind of trying to prove themselves and trying to do their thing and show and like showcase their talent. And then Figueroa is just like, I'm out here, we're just like winning basketball games and doing the little things like connecting the offense and making like not necessarily like getting a bunch of assists, but just making the right play and being in the right spot and making shots when they present themselves, like literally all of the shots when they present themselves. For sure. And, he's a big dude, too. He's like 6'6", six, six, and he's yeah. very clearly like a big body. Like, he, he looked a lot bigger than 6'6 six, six out there. Yeah, he's girthy. <laughs> that's what, Yeah, yeah, that's the word. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess to wrap up, uh, any of the other, because I guess he was probably the, the star of the, like, non-roster players. I guess we haven't talked about Nick Richards much. Do you guys have any thoughts on Nick Richards? He looked like an NBA player, but, he, like, yes. he should have. But <laughs> he's 24. Yeah, you're. But yeah, yeah he's say, three years. He definitely looked like a 24 year old in mm-hmm. summer league. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't see anything that was like good or bad. It was just like, yep, that's Nick Richards, the guy with the most NBA experience, looking like the guy with the most NBA experience. Um, yeah. So I don't know what else there's to say on that. Anyway, also the oldest guy on the team. No, yes, by a couple days, older than Cam McGriff. I was going to say McGriff might have had him beat, but that, that is interesting that McGriff is still the oldest. Two months. Yeah. I, okay, no, no, McGriff is older. Yeah. McGriff's two months older than. Okay. Oh, okay. Than there we go. Sorry. But I, I did think it was weird um, that they got Isaiah Whaley and Cam McGriff and neither of them played uh, a second. But not, not <laughs> that it like matters, but I, I don't know. I just thought that was strange. The McGriff like, one more so to me because he was. On he played the in the NBA year. last year. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, it was strange that they. I thought he would have been like in the rotation, but nope. Um, but any of the other guys, like I know we touched on Tyshawn Alexander a little bit, but like Alexander or Manic or Leangelo, or I like Manic. 
I thought he was. I thought Manic was good enough to earn a spot on the Swarm, like good enough where you don't yeah. want to necessarily lose track of him in the G League and like lose his rights, but not good enough to be like a two way in a roster spot. Like th- the shot alone and the confidence he has in the shot, I think you need to keep him on the Swarm because if he can be like a 40% three point, like he, he has the build of a stretch four that can shoot 40% in the NBA, not saying he'll ever get there, but like just, just the potential of having that around in the organization. I think you need to keep him on the swarm, but outside of that, like Leangelo was like, meh, like Minaya was okay. But like, again, and Alexander and Crutcher, meh, but like manic, I think is the one guy outside of who we talked about. You need to keep in the organization. Chase. Yeah, I mean, I liked Manic. I agree with, you know, keeping him in the organization, bringing him to Greensboro. I would probably, I'd say the same with Justin Manaya too, honestly. His minutes were much more limited, but I thought he was pretty interesting as well. He's also like a pretty decent shooter, but much more of like an athlete defender than, than yeah. Manic is. So that, I think that'd be an interesting like forward depth to have there, like two spacers that kind of go about doing that a little bit differently than than one another and just seeing if either of them can pan out. But the non-rostered um, or two-wayed players um, were not particularly impressive. <laughs> I, thought. I mean, Leangelo was like fine, um, but he's he just he does think certain things well uh, for like a G League player, and then the other things he does like he does he doesn't do very well. So, as, I mean, keep keep him around um, for you know the the reasons that are readily apparent i mean i mean he's definitely he's definitely a g league level player like he's not mm-hmm. you know it's not like they're doing him a favor or anything he he'd be able to play for any other g league team but i, I the you know the the i i don't think we're ever going to hear or not or hear the end of like the clamoring for a roster spot for him but uh, i i definitely think it's dying down a little bit yeah i think at, at least he has something a skill like he's a very good yeah. shooter and at least so he at least like if the hornets ever went with giving him like a two-way deal or put it sign him as like the 15th guy on the roster you could be like you know you always need shooting and <laughs> but that's like literally all he can do yeah. so and i mean like the heat have found ways to make players like that useful but i i and then you know the lamello connection but so i i would like to see him I, like i was rooting for him just because i want I, I because I want to see this success and I want to have him around just for the like the human interest aspect of things, but I, he's got to like do something. To, to that. <laughs> yeah, uh, hey, that's, other... that's like the the kindest way to put it. Like, seriously, he he just has to do more. Like, <laughs> realistically, yep. yeah. Um, the only other thing I want to say, I didn't really have any thoughts to add on the the non roster players because like you guys kind of hit it nobody really did anything to stand out it was just kind of like all right cool like yep these are probably all going to be swarm guys and yep. nobody really elevated themselves to you know beyond that point besides maybe figueroa getting that second two-way contract that's still out there mm-hmm. but other than that no i didn't really see much one thing i did see was um longtime swarm hornet like uh purgatory player xavier sneed crushing it with the Utah Jazz now. Yeah. Crushing it. He's actually <laughs> yeah. like he he's probably the best player on the Swarm that like never played in a Hornets uniform. I there over the last couple of years. I mean, he definitely yeah. is now that I think about it. Yeah. No, he was he was like the like on the fringe constantly and then finally yeah. then the Jazz. So, right. Uh, yeah, like the, during up. the COVID stuff like they yeah. just got to him first. Or I think Memphis signed him a ten day or something, and then he went yeah. to Utah. But yeah, but I, he was he was doing well when I was watching that Jazz summer league game, and they were talking him up pretty well. And I was like, I remember that guy. Good for him. <laughs> like you said, always need shooting, and he he's shooting. Yeah, he, he, he's a, he is a good shooter. Yep. So, um, any other final summer league? Did anything about the summer league change? Anything you guys think about the Hornets' needs or plans for? the actual season that starts in three months. I try, I, I tried to force myself not to let that happen. And I think <laughs> I don't, so I, so I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Nah, not really. Just, I like LJ Figueroa. We haven't talked since, uh, Steve Clifford got hired though. We haven't. Oh, seen you're right. I mean, we, oh, I guess we should wrap like the, up with that. 
is the day before. I just checked like while we were doing it. I was like, did we cover? It was that we published the draft preview the day before the Hornets hired. Let's, let we don't do, have to go into depth, but no, let's, let's let's do a little bit of depth. Uh, well, yeah, we, not for too much, but I need to put a commercial break in somewhere, and we'll do it right here. All right, so before we go, talk about Steve Clifford and how excited we are. <laughs> Steve Clifford is back as the Hornets head coach. Um, I'll let you guys start before I share my thought. Chase, what? Jay, well, Jack, you brought it up. You go first. What What was your like initial reaction, and has it changed at all? And like, what are you thinking? How are you feeling? I, th- I think I laughed when I saw it. I definitely laughed when I saw it because <laughs> how could you not? Like, I don't like. Okay, from the bare bones perspective, like just without any context, I don't hate it because you talk about a team that needs defense. Obviously, he's going to bring that. You talk about a team that ideally is going to want to push for the playoff soon. He can help you with that, too, because that's what he does. He tries to win. That's his thing. But it's just so funny that (laughs) he gets fired for Borrego. Then Borrego gets fired for him. And I think I, I said this during the draft preview, like you have a team with the direction now in limbo because of, you know, circumstances out of their control. And ideally you want to see what your young players have. And you bring in the one coach who, you know, like is so resistant to play young players. Like the only thing you could do outside of this to like hinder development is hire Tom Thibodeau from the Knicks. Right. (laughs) So I'm just hoping that Steve Clifford is more open to playing young players because if not, then are we going to see another season where book Knight just doesn't play? Are we going to see another season? Like is Kai Jones not going to get any minutes is Mark Williams going to struggle to overtake Plumlee like JT. Th- like these are all the questions that are going through my head because you know, Steve Clifford is going to play the guys that are going to help him win. But will he play the young players? Like I, I, this is so random. And I remember listening to an interview with like, it was like on a JJ Reddick podcast with RJ Hampton was cl- when Clifford was coaching the magic and Hampton was like, yeah, it took me so long to break into that rotation. I'm like, ah, no, <laughs> like this is, it's just, it was funny when it happened. I just really hope it's not going to hurt the development of the youth, even though I know it obviously will. Like, Let's be real. Chase. So I would just like to welcome the pride of Madawam Keg, Maine. <laughs> I know it's a big, main, big main guy representing. Huge, it's a huge day for me. The the we got another one of our own back at the helm of the NBA franchise. I believe it has the most head coaches uh, of any state in the America uh, currently coaching a uh, NBA team. So uh, a fellow alum of the University of Maine system, he coached a high school team here too. I mean, it's 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 very cool to see him like get back uh, in charge of especially of a team that. I like so much. So, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously like perfectly fine with it. I, I, even when he, they fired him, like he, I thought he was still like a good coach. It was just like, like they fired him because the, where he was at in his career and where the Hornets were at as an organization were a lot different and did not align. But I think now that they do like the, this is, I mean, depending on how you feel about the first two years he coached in Orlando, like this is the most talented team I mean, honestly, this even with those teams, this probably is the most talented team and easily has the like best uh, like player in Lamelo of any team that he's ever coached. I think uh, so. I, it's it's definitely going to be a lot different, I think, than the first time. And a lot of what they, him and Mitch, have said kind of indicates that as well. Like when they interviewed him um, in, during summer league, like when he came on during one of the games, he talked about like he's like, I want to play with the same sort of pace. Like I know we have a lot of talented young players. Like I want to keep like this sort of like youth development thing going and like adapt my style to theirs instead of making them adapt to me. And he said the same thing on the, the Woj pod, the, uh, if anybody, any listeners haven't seen that uh, or haven't listened to that, he had an episode with Adrian Wojnarowski came out a couple days ago and it was, it was pretty good. It's like 45 minutes of him, he talks about Lamelo, like coming back to the team to coach again, Michael Jordan, like a whole bunch of other stuff. And it, he, it really does seem like it's going to be a different experience than the first time. I mean, we obviously have to wait and see for because words can only go so far, especially when they're in you know July and June. But 
I, I think I think it's going to be a, a lot different. I think the the time that he spent away from basketball, like a little bit, definitely helped. Um, not not necessarily away from basketball, but like away from being a head coach and like the daily grind of basketball, definitely helped like reinvigorate him. It seems. I think one one thing I will say on the youth aspect, I feel like maybe I think he is from that Thibodeau line of thinking where he does want proven players. But I do think his reluctance to play to the youth has become a little bit like amplified. It was definitely yeah, it was definitely a little overstated. Maybe. I think it was just Mal- it was Malik Monk was really and Noah Vonley. Yeah, it, but like, which fair no enough. offense, but no offense to <laughs> Noah Vonley, but like, what team does he play for right now? Like, yeah. You know, like, yeah. So because like the thing is, well, the I think that was like the frustrating part was that the the way he, the youth he played was not the youth that people wanted him to play, right? Like, we wanted to see, like, exciting Malik Monk, exciting Noah Vonley. And it said the young guys we got were, like, Dwayne Bacon and P.J. Hairston and Cody Zeller that he wanted to play. So, that, which, to be fair, so Mark Williams fits that, like, Cody Zeller type of thing of, like, oh, he's a good yeah. defender, and, you know, he'll do the little things well, presumably, and maybe is a little different with guys like James Booknight that are more flashy and maybe need a little bit more refinement but uh for me what i thought what i what i've kind of gathered just kind of watching his press conference and watching like hearing him talk like when he they interviewed him at the summer league games and stuff i haven't listened to the woj yet but i plan on it sometime soon he seems much more relaxed than in his first go around here which i hope is a good thing right like maybe a little bit more flexible with things doesn't quite feel the same pressure that a head coach normally would because he's in a familiar situation. He knows all the people here. He knows the organization and it's just kind of like, and also kind of like accepting that you're like the backup plan. I feel like there's a, <laughs> a different, uh, yeah. different kind of I, yeah. approach. Like I, I think that shows how like comfortable he is though, to be right. completely fine with that. And to be like, yeah, like I'm just glad to like get this sort of opportunity again. Like this is a good team, a good situation. Like I'm glad to come here, even if, you know, you didn't even think to call me until the first guy like <laughs> backed out, you know, like it, right. it, it sounds like someone, like something you'd never want to do, but he obviously really wants to. So I think there's, that's, that can't be a bad thing. You know, Mitch Kupchak even also said that like in front of his face in the press conference, yeah, yeah, literally with, with, like, <laughs> he said, he said something to like the guy we originally hired, you know, went a different direction. So now we're here. <laughs> it's like, didn't even like Damn. try to dodge that. Yeah, fact. Very, Poor guy. Out, very simple and plain for everybody. But I do. I, one other thing I want to turn, I'll, want to turn around on real quick on that point i know there's there's a lot of criticism and i also was very like disappointed at the initial announcement and there's a lot of like criticism to the hornets for like scrambling and panicking and it's like i mean they were definitely scrambling but i don't know like what else like how could they not be yeah like like they took their time naming a coach because there was very little competition in, in the way of teams looking for head coaches and then the guy that they hired changed his mind as late as he possibly could have like how what are they supposed to do like just go in and start from scratch and they interview everybody go through like another rounds of interviews with everybody and take another two months like they had to do something quick so um i i'm i'm feeling better about it now than i was when the the news was first announced like i said the big thing to me just being his demeanor and the things he said have been good like he says that he wants to do things the way they've been doing them just tighten up the defense and i think with that along with the way that he's kind of presented himself in this more relaxed kind of laid back with these like mannerisms compared to where he was a little bit more stoic originally i'm hopeful that we'll see a little bit of a a looser hornets team with hopefully still the defensive discipline that he's instilled in this first two stops as a head coach not to say that Again, I'm super excited about it, but we'll make the best of it, right? Oh, exactly. definitely. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, thanks for bringing that up, Jack. Um, I totally forgot that that happened like right after we did our draft preview. I show. did too. That was announced. That was what? That was announced <laughs> on, like what the Friday? After yeah, it was literally draft. one day after we put the draft preview out. It was the yeah, 24th, yeah. and we put the preview out the 23rd. So yeah, it's the draft was the 23rd. Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was just like. <laughs> 
what a what a wild just whirlwind of two days as a Hornets fan. Yep. Because I guess we didn't really summarize the draft that much either. But like between the the trade that had, no one had any idea who was going where with Duran, and then picking <laughs> Mark Williams, and then trying to like while the and then the dust settles and then like rising out of the dust is Steve Clifford's your new head coach. <laughs> it's just like what is going on. But I, I don't know. We'll we're here now. I feel I think I think the 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 mood has started to come back a little bit. I think people got a little down in the dumps for a little while, but I think we're all right. Um and now we just kind of have to wait for the uh off the court issues to shake out and then we'll see what happens in August, in September when camp up. Yeah. I think camp is what September? Is when training yeah. camps up? Uh, like, I want to yeah. say September 18th. I'm a sick person for even having a number for that in my head. But <laughs> I, think I mean, it starts. it's well, they did announce the the first like preseason game. They're playing the Celtics. In yeah, in Greensboro. Greensboro. I think that's pretty cool. Oh, I, wow. I, they should they should do stuff like that more often. And I was so funny because why I thought that was cool was like I was like, oh, the NBA team traveling like an hour playing in like a smaller city, smaller arena. And then I looked it up in the Greensboro Coliseum is bigger than Spectrum Center. So that makes sense as to why <laughs> um, they're having the game at, at the Greensboro Coliseum. But, you know, I mean, it, it obviously it's still pretty cool to play in like in North they, Carolina, but not in Charlotte. So you'll get like a different fan base, I guess. I think they used to do that more. I remember them. They played games in oh, like yeah. Asheville a couple of years ago and uh, and like the I, the 60s teams used to play all like they would go on like barnstorming tours for preseason like the they'd play like five different cities like and none of them had any so it would be they all be like really small cities like the Boston Celtics used to drive like to like four hours away up in like northern Vermont Maine and just play and I'm the Hornets and the I remember the Knicks used to do the same thing and play in like Connecticut and stuff it's really weird I think I mean I I feel like it's it would be it's good for branding i would think not that like obviously now people have easy access to it but i think it does establish a better kind of bond to the team if you go see them in person even if it's just the preseason if you go yeah, to like a preseason if you go to if you go to a live event and you have and you enjoy the experience and you enjoy the team you tend to like tie yourself to that team a little bit more so i think it would be it would be good for business to go like play game in Greensboro, especially or if you even go further out and go to like Charleston or Myrtle Beach or Raleigh and try to get be like, hey guys, you have a team across the state you guys should watch because <laughs> we're pretty cool. Yeah, be like, we're not asking you to drive yeah. out here, but just flip yeah. the TV on. No, I, like, a little ratings boost, that's all we want. Yeah, like well like personal anecdote on a related note, like I took one of my friends to a Charlotte FC match a couple weeks ago, or like a week like the Nashville game uh the weekend before last and i don't think he really paid any attention to it at all like the whole season and then we went to play like video games like uh the next weekend and we we're like when are we gonna play and he's like oh, hold on i'm watching the end of the charlotte fc match and that's <laughs> like, there we go new fan yeah see that that type of stuff really does happen like all the time yeah. though like i feel like people like that have been into something for so long like kind of can can underestimate that type of thing right so uh, more games outside of Charlotte because I mean you could put them in Charlotte. I'm not going to go anyway, so I'm telling you. you <laughs> yeah, right. Like you, we, why would we go to a preseason game when we can go to a regular season game? Right. But, yeah. I'm, I mean, yeah. Never I'll watched go. it before. We'll pay eight dollars for a ticket rather than thirty five. Right. Like I'll, I'll go to plenty of regular season games. I have no need to go to the preseason game. <laughs> yeah. So go give that to people that no, don't normally get it. Yeah. Uh, with that, anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap it up? Oh. I don't think so. I mean, Cody Martin got extended. That's yeah, that, about yeah, it. good, good, fair deal. Cool. Right? Yeah, yeah, I like I it. Agree. Bring back Thank the you. one defender you have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <Pretty literally. good>. <laughs> Reasonable <laughs> price to eight million dollars a year is like about as cheap as you can sign a player for if you're not like a title team that's hoarding veterans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Ken, brother Ken, got more money. Ken, Williams got like a little under seven like a couple days ago. So I mean, they're very comparable in terms of that? their skill level uh for the thunder or is it kenrich oh kenrich yeah kenrich oh kenrich yeah, yeah. Oh, okay i, don't know. I know okay yeah, that, yeah. that makes sense that it's there's no k in there that's kenrich but yeah i mean he makes like slightly less than cody martin and he's probably slightly less impactful on the court than cody martin so yeah. like they it, it, i think it's a very very fair deal 
Right. I think that's a good, that's a really good kind of like benchmark deal too, because I think if you were to ask, because Cody Martin is the level of player that his fans of his team will tend to kind of like get tired of after a while. Right. Cause he doesn't, he's not flashy. He's just kind of like a glue guy. And so I yeah, think if role, you ask, role players aren't, aren't very exciting when your team is like 500 as opposed to like playing right. in the playoffs or something. Right. So then it's like, well, all right, would you, if you got, do you guys think like, if you think that was a bad deal, like would you rather have Kendrick Williams? And it's like, no, I'd much rather have Cody Martin. It's like, okay, then I think we're, we're on, we're fair then we'll, yeah. we'll find the deal to be palatable more that more palatable that way. I also feel like last thing, uh, NBA fans were getting better at it, but I feel like NBA fans are still like had, had a very long delay in adjusting to the cap spike from a, like ten years ago in terms of like their <laughs> yes. value of players. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely, definitely has. Yeah, that, like, I, I feel like it's only the last couple of years that people finally kind of like re- really readjusted their expectations because I remember early on. The cap jump from it was like went from like what somewhere in like seventy two or seventy three up to like a hundred, right? Yeah. And and then so like players were signing for like they're like oh this guy should probably worth like what three to five million a year and then they would get like ten, and people were like oh my god such an overpay and now we're like starting to finally adjust that it's like okay like the middle of middle level exception is like eleven million dollars a year now like it used to be like five. <laughs> so, yeah, I saw people reacting to like Damian Lillard's extension being like oh my god. 60 million dollars a year and it's like he is making that much because the the nba like the nba is making more money like that they they're not just yeah. giving all of their money to the players now like they, the basketball related right. income a, a percentage of that goes to the players and their salaries rise in accordance with the basketball related income rising which has been rising year after year after year for like decades now basically <laughs> right uh, it's probably going to continue doing so so the only reason players are getting paid more is because owners and teams and front office members and coaches are also getting paid more. Like their <laughs> yeah. players are just the most front facing ones. So players are the only ones where we can like Google spot track in their yeah, salary. Right. You can Google their right. salary. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just a wild thing. Just like in just life as in general is like, how much money did that guy make? And I just type in their name and see exactly what their salary is for the year. Yeah, I was thinking about this while I was watching the NASCAR race the other day, and this is Hornets related because Michael Jordan has a team in, yeah. um, in NASCAR. <laughs> but they, they, you driver salaries are completely private in that. You never ever know what, how much a, a driver makes a year in in that. Which is like, imagine if the NBA was just completely secretive with their salaries. <laughs> it's like, how much does LeBron James make? I have no idea. That would kind of if we had no idea, we'd be like, "Is, is LeBron James make ten billion dollars every year?" Like we probably would <laughs> say, like think stuff like that. Especially like, if we had we... no other sports. If it was all professional sports, right? If we had no, how if we had no idea how much any professional athlete made? Like, how much do you think people would expect professional athletes to make? It'd probably be way less than they actually make, right? Yeah, they'd be like, "LeBron James makes twenty five dollars an hour." <laughs> right. <laughs> like LeBron James, <laughs> he's the best player in the world. He makes like. LeBron James makes like more than a million dollars a year, right? Like, buy a little bit. <laughs> yeah, couple, couple <laughs> hair, hair over that. Yeah. Anyway, um, appreciate you guys all tuning in. Uh, we will come back with a new episode whenever more stuff happens for us to talk about. <laughs>